If you know anything of the Bible, you'll know it's made of 66 separate books. And there's all sorts of literature from poems and letters to something a little bit more um, apocalyptic. Uh, everyone loves to read Revelation and be confused by it. And, and each book, let me make very clear, is really special and its value is unsurpassable for a believer. Those 66 books are kind of intrinsic to our faith and the, the majesty and glory of Jesus flows in and out of each one. Sometimes it's really obvious. You know, you read the Gospels and you go, I know what... God is trying to say about Jesus through this. And sometimes you read Leviticus and you go, oh, it's a little bit more opaque and you have to try a little bit harder. But each book has the grace and glory and majesty and beauty of Jesus in different ways in all 66 books. However, there is one book out of those 66 that's maybe had the biggest impact on Christians the last 2,000 years. Um, is the letter of someone that used to hate Christians um, and then he was sort of uh, overwhelmed on the road to Damascus and then uh, just wrote incredible letters of grace and mercy to Christians um, uh, around the sort of Roman Empire. And particularly... Possibly um, his best letter, the, uh, the theologian N.T. Wright says it stands like a mount, alpine mountain above all the villages of his other letters, that this is his big one. Uh, the book of Romans is the most significant. James Dunn writes that it, it, the book of Romans is arguably the single most important work of Christianity. Christian theology ever. The importance of the book of Romans can't really be overcooked. Um, and he, in it, he explains much of the Christian theology. It starts off with the struggles of man, this destructive selfishness that's kind of baked into humanity. This thing that's going on in Ukraine is nothing new. You know, why we hate it and deplore it and we've prayed for the people this morning. That destructiveness of humanity is nothing new. And it is sort of symptomatic of uh, almost every single human that's ever lived. And then Paul brings out the glory of Jesus. He says, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. That suddenly, if we trust in him, that destructive selfishness that has contaminated the world for so long, there's a remedy. And there's this enormous gasp of relief when we realise there's a solution to this problem that we're confronted with. And Paul's meditations in the book of Romans are amazing. It is very hard, if you understand the words, not to be deeply moved by what he says. And I want to start by just reading out uh, um, a little excerpt just to let you hear the, the wonder of the words that Paul brings. So I would say turn to Romans chapter 9, but I'm going to try and read from the message uh, edition because it's, uh, it just has a different language to it. Romans chapter 8. And then just drink in this. If you want to close your eyes, you know what? You have permission to close your eyes in church. And if you nod off, uh, impressive. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? 
If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? The implicit answer to all these questions is no. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? And who would dare even to point an accusing finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God. And Jesus is up there sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Do you think that, church, this morning? Can anyone get in the way of Christ's love? No. There is no way. Everyone say, no way. No way. Not trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backstabbing. Not war or peace, we might add this morning. Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Some of you have uh, filled your boots with sins in your life and Christ can overcome those. Christ can fix those and bring you into the presence of his Father. They'll kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks and they pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us some wonderful finale to this chapter I am absolutely convinced that nothing, everyone say nothing. nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow high or low, thinkable and unthinkable, I love the idea that Paul says anything unthinkable even that can't touch us absolutely everyone say nothing Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Everyone say, few. Few. Excellent. It is no wonder that the book of Romans has changed lives through the course of history. Uh, One of my favourite theologians is Augustine of Hippo. He's this African guy and he just looked at all the different philosophies and religions and, and followed various different ones. And then he overheard someone reading out the book of Romans and he was touched. And he became a prolific writer. And he became one of the most important Christian writers. Uh, and he shaped Christian thought for over a thousand years. In the 16th century, Martin Luther would pick up on Augustine. He would also be touched specifically by the book of Romans. And he would stand up to the mighty Catholic Church that was like this dominant force in Europe. At the risk of death, he would challenge this Catholic Church that had gone awry and said, this book of Romans teaches this and I will stand on its words. And uh, a little while later, our very own Englishman John Wesley was floored by a public reading of Romans. And him and uh, his uh, brother Charles would see England swept by a revival and it would see masses upon masses of people become Christians. And you can trace it back to these perfect words in Romans. And as I 
And I have a point to this. And some of you are asking, how, what has this got to do with Barry? And as I scale these heights, as I try and give you the picture and importance and dominance of Rome, the book of Romans in Christian life, I want to bring you back to the very last chapter in Romans. What is the last chapter in the book of Romans going to say? This majestic letter that was written to Christians Paul was hoping still to meet. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes at the end of this letter that has proved so important over the last 2,000 years. And he ends it like this. Be sure to welcome our friend Phoebe in the way of the master. With all the generous hospitality we Christians are famous for. In first century, Christians were famous for their hospitality. And Paul said, I've got this mate Phoebe and I want you to bless her socks off. And he goes on. I heartily endorse both her and her work. She's a key representative of the church in Chinchira. Help her out, whatever she asks. She deserves anything you can do for her. She has helped many a person, including me. Paul is not an island. Paul is not isolated. Paul is not a theologian in an ivory tower. He is richly embedded in communities and society that he has lived along. And he goes, say hi to Priscilla and Aquila. They've worked hand in hand with me in serving Jesus. They once put their lives on their line for me, and I'm not the only one grateful to them. All the non-Jewish gatherings of believers owe them plenty, to say nothing of the church that meets in their house. Say hi to my dear friend, Apenetus. He was the very first Christian in the province of Asia. Say hello to Mary. What a worker she's turned out to be. Can you hear these different voices, these different people, these different personalities that Paul's rubbed shoulders with and he says, bless their socks off, pray for them. My life would be poorer without them. And he goes on, say hello to my cousin Andronicus and Junius. We once shared a jail cell together. They were believers in Christ even before I was. Both of them are outstanding leaders. Say hello to Amplitus, my good friend in the family of God. Say hello to Urbanus, our companion in Christ's work. And my good friend Stachys. It is little wonder that the book of Romans has changed the course of history. But it is interesting to find out that Paul, with all his brain work, with all his intelligence, with all his lofty spirituality, he remembers these individuals that made his ministry possible. And they're only mentioned cursory. He just... Uh, gives a line to each one, but it's obvious in each one that he holds a passion for them. I really, really like one later on, he goes, thank this lady, she's been like a mum to me. And uh, we've got a few of those uh, in our congregation. You go, thank you for them. Their ministry should not be overlooked. Um, and, it go and it goes on and on. Early we showed a video which ridiculed the idea that we can come up with what God looks like. The idea that somehow our uh, understanding of God determines who he is. 
Just because God doesn't look like who you want him to be doesn't mean to say that he is wrong. It is more likely you are. And the same goes for the life we are to lead. Our life is not to be sort of a random uh, mess of guesswork, but God has set out particular themes and disciplines to follow. And one of them is community. And Paul practiced this everywhere he went. He knew it was non-negotiable that when we follow Jesus, we do it alongside other believers. It is in this community that we discover what real love is. You don't know what patience is until you have sat next to someone that rubs you up the wrong way each and every week. You don't know what grace is until someone takes advantage of your hospitality time and time again. It is in this setting that we have the edges knocked off and we become more like Jesus. And this is why Christians come together. We don't come together just to have a praise party. We don't come together just to learn things as if uh, we need more information in our brains. We come together to have ourselves changed and to serve one another. Now, our fellowship here, Edom Church Bubus, we've existed since May 2005. And we have seen lots of people go and come. We've, it's part of the rhythm of modern day life that people move into a region and move out of a region. And some uh, stay living in Crawley or elsewhere and then feel called to come here for a while and then move on. And uh, we've seen that time and time again. This morning is the first time and maybe the last time we will ever honour the departure of someone. I don't know uh, the exact Sunday it was, but I've certainly got a photo of Barry on our third birthday up the front somehow uh, uh, saying something. So that was in May 2008. As far as I believe, uh, uh, Sue Parker invited Sue Tedder to church and then poor old Barry was uh, uh, tagged uh, along. And he wasn't particularly interested, as far as I can gather, if you'll speak to him. Um, but it is with us that God changed his heart. He confessed Jesus as Lord and Saviour. He got baptised. I didn't realise the logistics involved in that, but that was a, a great undertaking and something that thrilled us to see it happen. He then got married and we all came together for a party and then he started leading stuff, which was beautiful to see. We, as a church, often get to see one or two points. You know, we'll get to see someone become a Christian, we'll get to see them baptised, we get to see them married, but very rarely do we see their sort of all the landmark spiritual moments laid out before us. But we have had that privilege in witnessing with Barry. And it's worth noting, I'm sorry it's not a more dignified photo. <laughs> It's kind of like the best photo. Uh, I realise it may not be like the, the sombre statesman, Barry. Um, uh, but that's, that's the best one I had of him. Barry welcomed us into his life. He did it 
without restraint. He didn't, know, he didn't go, you can come this far, but no further. He was honest and frank, and ultimately, he taught us things. Barry has taught us patience and kindness and humility. I know a lot more uh, about uh, uh, wheelchair users and stepdads and all sorts of things because of what Barry has taught me. I think I know Jesus better because Barry has been in our life. And Barry has not sat in a corner and kept quiet. You know, he's never uh, shied away from a challenge. Some of you can't even be bothered to get up uh, to church on a Sunday, but Barry has done anything that we've done uh, um, during the, the years. We've done outreaches uh, in Bewbush. Uh, we've run the burger van for years where we give out free burgers. He's been there helping with barbecues. Uh, we've gone up to London with him to listen to a Christian speaker. He's gone to the big church day out with us uh, and uh, spent weeks, it seems, at River Camp. Uh, I have a slideshow of about a hundred photos that hopefully will show a little bit later to give you a glimpse of some of the things that he's been up to. And hopefully a couple uh, more in a moment and I'm going to give space to you to say something briefly. We don't need your life story and we don't need Barry's life story but a, uh, just a moment of insight into him would be really good. But I wanted to make clear this morning that this is not just a testimonial to Barry, just to say how great it is. You know, we could have done that separately to church. But we've brought this moment inside a Sunday meeting because it is more than that. We are honouring this morning the work God has done in Barry's life. And he has done a lot of work in Barry's life. We are honouring the difference that God has made to each one of us through uh, uh, Barry's life. The different moments where his soft touch, soft word and bravery has kind of changed the climate. We are honouring what God does through Barry for all of us this morning. And so we are honouring the importance of church, the importance of community, the importance of doing faith together. We are honouring the point importance of joining church life week in, week out. It is not something that you just get to attend on a Sunday, but church life is full and rich and uh, week long. And it is something that helps you love Jesus better. And this morning, we are appreciating someone that knows how to love Jesus in easy seasons and difficult seasons. If you want to know about the easy and difficult seasons of Barry's life, you are very welcome to talk to him. Uh, he has been, over the last couple of years, through some uh, incredible changes. Um, and indeed, moving to Sunderland is another one of those. Uh, but you know what? Uh, Barry is faithful to the Jesus 
he loves. And it was really good uh, that I got to speak to the Elam pastor in Sunderland. I rang him up and said, we're sending our best guy over to Sunderland. You know, we've just decided that you need to be blessed too. Um, and he was chuffed uh, and he's arranged to meet for coffee uh, uh, with Barry and uh, hopefully the church, the Elam church in Sunderland will bless Sue and Barry and the rest of the guys that go out of there. And I'm going to finish with the Bible reading and then we're going to have a little open mic session where you can say something helpful about Barry. So it says this in Romans chapter 12 in the message version. Just think on this and, and uh, uh, just see uh, the importance of these verses for us today. Love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends with superficial relationships. Doesn't say that. It says, be good friends who love deeply. Practice. Some of us could hear this this morning. Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing the one who doesn't deserve the honour. Practice the one who does the serving rather than is served. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fuelled and inflamed. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. And I think we'll see something of that later on. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. Amen. So I'm going to make room. Uh, it'll either be a mad rush or a, that awkward silence where people aren't sure. Uh, but I just want to make room for people just to say something encouraging. I uh, just want to say, everybody needs a Barry. And um, I just can't tell you how much hope, enthusiasm, kind of um, undaunted spirit Barry has brought to our fellowship, to our families, and to me as a friend. And um, I'm gutted you're going, Barry. Don't, I just am completely gutted. But we send you out with our blessing and knowing that Sunderland's going to get something really special. And uh, I just want to thank you, your family. I've had so many adventures uh, with his girls, uh, youth, um, running them over, as you all know, and dropping them off and bashing them. And uh, Barry's just, just been amazing um, through that time. But I think one of the things that has really stood out to me uh, with Barry is... Uh, and it sounds a funny thing, but when we would go out and do barbecues or, or meetings and stuff, Barry is there early, and he's had to set out hours early. And often, um, he would get to the place and find that there's a car blocking the pavement or something, and he's had to come literally a mile back 
because he can't go down the curb. And is he angry and resentful about the car driver like I would be? I'd be fuming. No, he doesn't even mention it. It's only when someone spots that he couldn't have possibly have got round that way. And so I just want to just say thank you, Barry, Sue, and the girls for just once again that hope, that enthusiasm, that joy, that life, that love that you've brought amongst us. It's been incredible.